0: going on everybody welcome back to this week's edition of the dolphins in depth podcast i'm daniel Yufusi. thank you so much for tuning in we are coming to you straight off some breaking news uh to a of law, dolphins quarterback has been designated to return to practice this week he missed the last three games with fractured ribs but things are trending in the right direction for his return ahead of the team's week six game week six game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. We're going to have a great show for you today. Um, I first want to introduce this week's guest. We have Safet Dean, who is the NFL insider for USA Today Sports Plus. Um, definitely check out It's a Football Podcast and the app. Um, he was formerly a uh, Dolphin Sport for the Sentinel. No, Safet, thanks so much, man, for joining me.
1: Daniel, always, man. always appreciate the new blood coming onto the Dolphins beat. I'm pretty sure there's some listeners here that have followed my work over the years. Thank you for that. And, um, yeah, man, let's talk some Tua. Let's talk some Dolphins. Yeah, we're about to get
0: right into it because this news literally dropped about 30 minutes before us recording. Like I said, Tua missed the last three games with Fractured Ribs, Set has been playing uh, for him in the lineup, but I mean QB one is back. He's going to practice on Wednesday, uh, and you know, I mean, this is a uh, this is this is good news for for an offense that's really been struggling. Um, I know that you know this team has been struggling as a whole, losing four games after winning their season opener. But having Tua back, I think it's going to do a lot for this for this offense. You know, it's it's been one that hasn't done much of anything well, and the downfield passing has kind of been a disappointment. You know, you add in Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller who's hurt. and Mm-hmm. you know, having Devontae Parker and Mike Isecki. I mean, what do you think about Tua's return? How much do you think he's going to boost
1: this offense? You know, I, I, I'm a little weary about Tua's return just because of the fact that his ribs, it wasn't a bruised rib situation. It was ribs that were fractured, okay? We don't know how many ribs were fractured in total, and we don't even know how fully healed Tua tunga is from the last three weeks. You know, this could be an injury where he's playing through some play, pain through Playing with a flak jacket, um, you know, to hopefully protect his ribs from any more damage. But, I mean, look, to to expect to be back to anywhere close to 100% is probably unrealistic, and um, you know, to think he probably gets there within the next month or two is probably a little bit more likely. Um, So, you know, whatever version of Tua Tonga Vailoa you get, it's not going to be 100%. Could be 70, 80, anywhere, you know, up to 90, I guess. But that's up for. Brian Flores and, the, you know, the coaching staff and, and the medical staff to decide that Tua's cleared and ready to go. Um, you know, the offense, it, it was created around Tua. You know, you run the run the RPO offense because it's what's what was Tua's bread and butter at Alabama. Um, and you're hoping that he can stretch the field, which we haven't seen much from the first week, although we did see it in the preseason. But um, I don't want, I, I think Dolphins fans need to be really, really cautious on how much they put the rest of this season on tour because we don't know how healthy he is going to be in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we definitely should have put everything on Tua because, like I said, the
0: team's issues are not limited to just Tua being out of the lineup. But I do think that I do think that this kind of allows us to really see the season. Um, clearly, you know, get the full picture of the season. You know, we know that they won 10 games last year. Tua started really the second half of the season, was pulled for two of those games. But like you said, they built this entire offense around him. So now we can actually see, okay, this is what this offense is supposed to be. You know, we haven't really seen the RPOs. We really haven't seen... You know, the, the pistol formations and a lot of the stuff that we we're supposed to see, the stuff that they were doing at Alabama, you know, they had to kind of change it for Jacoby Brissett. So I think that, you know, that is just good in itself to kind of see where this team is headed with, with Tua. I also think that, you know, it's really weird to say that a team is getting better when they've lost four straight games. But I do think that this period of him being sideline allowed them to kind of really tinker with the offensive line. Um, you know, they used their fifth starting offensive line combination against the Buccaneers, uh, having Austin Jackson move into left guard and then having Liam Meikenberg go to left tackle. I think that, you know, they weren't perfect, but, you know, according to pro football focus, they had like their, some of their best grades of the season. Um, and that was a pretty low bar. I think that they may have kind of got something there. So if the offensive line is a little better for Tua, I mean, we like I said, we could see this offense start to start to improve. You know, they're they're like bottom three in most rankings. So if you can get to like an above average <laughs> offense at this point, I think that that yeah. would be, you
1: know, I, I think that'd be a success. Yeah, you talk about the O line, and and we both saw it in Tampa this weekend, last weekend, excuse me. Um, you know, Eichenberg was a left tackle at Notre Dame. Um, Dolphins traded up into get into the second round to draft him. And moving him immediately to right tackle, you know, you think you can move a left tackle to right tackle. You think you just change all those all those mechanics. And if you ask some left tackles in the league, or you ask some right tackles in the league, um, some of them will equate playing the other position as like trying to wipe your rear with the other hand. Man, it's really different. <laughs> it's hard to do at times for these players. And um, look, you move Ikenberg from right gu- right tackle, then you move him inside to right guard. Maybe putting him at the position he played his whole career is a start, um, and then you're moving Austin Jackson from tackle to guard too is a move that um, is really, uh, you know, eye-opening in the sense that you got a first-round pick on this guy, Austin Jackson, and um, you know maybe the first year he was still getting his weight back from the um, from the, the the bone marrow transplant that he did with his sister. Yeah, And then maybe this season you think he's also slow as start because he did have COVID for X amount of time, and you don't know how how much that played an effect into how his season has started. Um, and I, I look back at Jesse Davis' career here with the Dolphins. I've been covering the team since 2019, so the end of Adam Gates' last year. And, Gase, um, you know, Jesse Davis played every single snap at right guard, um, yet he's playing right tackle, right guard, left guard. Um, left tackle, even at times during the last three seasons under Brian Flores. So, um, and then you have Robert Hunt. Robert Hunt's supposed to be your best offensive lineman. Um, he probably graded out, I think, the worst out of all the guys last week. You have him yeah. inside to kind of because he has the size and the girth to so go up against the tackles, but he might be have he might have a better future at guard. But I think right now with him being young and still kind of mobile and fast. Putting him at right tackle against some of the you know the best defensive ends in the in the league might be a better move for the Dolphins going forward. We'll see, but um, you know, like you said, the Bucks game was a good change for them. They got the new side center in the mix too. We'll see if Dieter comes back or how how long it's going to take for him to come back into the mix. Maybe they stick with the center for right now. But um, any kind of improvement is is a good sign for the Dolphins right now, especially after how they started and you know how bad they looked against the Colts in, in, in week four. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm actually kind of excited.
0: Like, I mean, I think, you know, all Dolphins fans are excited to see Tua. But even me as, like, a media member, I'm excited to see Tua because I keep on saying this is what this whole season was about, you know, whether Tua could take that next step. And, you know, I know you were watching – Lamar Jackson last night. I was watching Lamar Jackson. You know, we've seen Justin Herbert. <laughs> like, I want to see if Tua can can be that guy. You know, like that's like I said, this is what this whole season is about. So I'm crossing yeah. my fingers he he, he can play uh, Sunday against the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, you know, with Tua, it's, it's always interesting because you know I um some of the fans might know, Danny, you may not know since you just joining the Dolphins, be here now. But like this has been a two-year, three-year process with Tua. You know, tank yeah. for Tua was a process that you know, linked to Otongavailoa and the Dolphins, you know, in, in 2019, um, when he was taken the college football world by storm, and the Dolphins needed a quarterback desperately after, you know, 20 years of Dan Marino, and not having one since Dan Marino retired. And um, the hip injury was obviously a big, big turning point in Otongavailoa's life, his career, um, and the fact for him to rebound from a broken hip. All right, guys, let's, let's think about this. A broken hip. Yeah. In a year time to play nine games last season and and show some improvement over the season. I mean his best game was against the Cardinals. I think he probably even played better against the Chiefs than he did against the Cardinals. Um, in that comeback and the Dolphins had a special teams touchdown that, you know, went Kansas City way that took the game away from them. But, um, uh, you know, like you said, this whole rebuild, uh, you know, with Brian Flores with Chris Greer as general manager, those two guys together leading this Dolphins franchise. It's all centered around the quarterback. It's all centered around Tua Tagovailoa and what he could do on the field. And, you know, I'm also excited to see what he shows, man. I mean, like, look, uh, you know, during the lead-up to the draft and stuff like that, you know, I was the one that had it wrong uh, on Justin Herbert. I'm pretty sure I'm not uh, the only one. You who, are not, right? not <laughs> And not many, you know, I'm pretty sure many people got it wrong about Justin Herbert. And we saw Tua for what he was in college, and now he has to turn up and show everybody, you know, improve everybody right in the NFL.
0: Not most definitely,
1: most definitely. And like I said, it's going to be so
0: so interesting, interesting to see whether he can come back on Sunday. I know that just his return will kind of like juice up that matchup. You know, it's when you look at a 1-4 team against a winless Jags team, I mean, there's not much to that. But if he can come back, you know, you have him on one side and Trevor Lawrence to the other side and former number one high school quarterbacks. I mean, you know, it, it does kind of spice it up a little bit, so we'll see. But I do want to shift to the other side of the ball because, like I said, uh, you know, the Dolphins' issues aren't just limited to Tua. Um, in the Bucks game, the Dolphins gave up over 400 yards uh, passing to Tom Brady, five touchdowns. They weren't able to stop the run. And really, the, I don't I, I want to say most importantly, but notably, their takeaway streak of, you know, forcing a turnover in 26 straight games, I believe it was, it came to an end. Um, you know, this whole defense has kind of been disarray, and I feel like this has kind of been the most disappointing part of the 2021 Dolphins so far, that the the defense hasn't really lived up to last year's standard and even taken a step forward. Um, and in talking to Brian Flores, you know, he flat out said, you know, I'm really concerned about this unit because it's just out of sync. It's like they can't do anything right now, and you even have your best players in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones just getting torched by, you know, albeit a very, very talented group of Bucks receivers, like, I, I've looked at like all the different numbers and stats and everything, and I know that they're terrible on third down, and they were great on third down last year. But it's like I'm not really sure how they fix this defense. And it's weird because on paper you're like they do have the players to be a very good defense, but they just haven't put
1: it together. All right, Daniel, I'm going to let you in on some secret sauce I've learned in my four years covering the NFL, right? Yeah. And Dolphins fans – you know, take heed to this here. The defense played really well last year because of the fact that they knew they had a quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick who got them off to a decent start and Mm -hmm. they knew they had a quarterback in Tua Bailoa who could, you know, be able to get some throws in but also doesn't turn the ball over, keeps the ball with him. He can convert on some third downs and he can keep the defense off the field, you know, for stretches at a time. And I think the reason why this Dolphins defense is struggling this year with Xavier Howard, with Byron Jones, with Jerome Baker, with Christian Wilkins, with guys who've been in this system for the past three seasons, you know, is the fact that they don't know essentially what's coming from the offense on a week to week basis. All right. Uh, you know, when you're a defender and you know, you got something to play for offensively, you know, the team, on you know, you know, your your teammates on the other side of the ball are going to produce, are going to you know, get yards, are going to move the ball upfield, are most importantly going to put points on the scoreboard and make your job easier, you're going to play a little bit harder when you're on defense, right? You're going to go in first force turnovers. You're going to try to get the ball back to the offense. So you can get off the field and let them continue to do their work. And quite frankly, I don't think the Dolphins defense, you know, believes in Jacoby Brissett and his ability to lead the offense. They see it in practice since training camp started. Um, they see the difference between him and Tuatanga Vailoa, and they saw the difference between Tuatanga Vailoa and Ryan Fitzpatrick the year earlier, too. So I think really what it comes down to is the players wanting it and the players knowing that, you know, offensively they don't have what it takes to beat the teams that they face earlier this season. And when you have a defense that doesn't buy in all the way like that and kind of just it, it, you're going with natural reactions, human natural reactions to just what you're going up against. I'm not you know, it's hard to play hard defense, stout defense for, you know, as much as I have to be on the field when I don't know if my offense can produce points and get me off of it. Um, you know, hopefully that changes with Tua in the mix. And I think once the Dolphins defense sees Tua healthy and to the point where he's throwing touchdowns and, and putting points up on the board, it'll get their juices flowing a little bit more that they haven't had in the past couple of, uh, weeks.
0: I mean, that's an interesting point because I I don't, I mean, I'll say that I don't think that there's like a, like, a real physical aspect to it where it's, like, if you your, if your starting quarterback goes down and the backup is in, like, you, you don't try as much. I don't think it's, like, they're not trying as hard or playing as hard or anything like that. I don't think that's the case. But, you know, they talk about complementary football a lot. And I do agree that, you know, when the offense isn't sustaining drives and they're going three and out and they're turning the ball over, it does put a strain on the defense. But, I mean, when Tool was in there, I mean, if you – if you really look back to that week one win over the Patriots, and in hindsight, we should have kind of seen some some clues and some inklings that there were going to be struggles earlier. We, we should probably should have seen something back then because they needed an Xavier Howard fumble, forced fumble and recovery to win that game. They did uh-huh. kind of struggle stopping the run then. They did have some issues with a rookie quarterback in game one. And you know, so that's why I keep on saying like I don't I don't know what the fix is. Maybe like I don't know how much better the defense is going to be with Tua orchestrating the offense. You know, I know that they got rid of Bobby McCain at safety, who was kind of commuting yeah. calls, and they got rid of Kyle Vannoy, who was kind of a kind of a you know had people on different sides of the bench when it came to him. But like, how much? How much is it? Like, I mean, and, and they're also rotating the, like a lot of guys. Like they're bringing in Javon Holland and Brandon Jones for a couple of plays, and they're like taking them out and yeah. bringing in Eric Rowe and Brandon, and Brandon McCordy. Or, you know, I, I would I would almost like them to just kind of like stick. Like you know, they have their packages. About, I would almost like them to stick mm-hmm. to like a core of players <laughs> that they're gonna play with yeah. and just try to get it get it going. It's like they're just throwing guys in there and it's just not working right now.
1: Yeah, well, welcome to the Brian Flores defensive experience, Daniel. And, um, it's multiple, and, you know, 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, nickel, dime on the back end. Um, you know, certain packages, guys are coming in and off the field, three, four guys at a time, you know, to combat offensive plays, what they think the offense is calling. And, um, you know, last season with the Dolphins, they welcome Calvin or they welcome Shaq Lawson. Um, you know, you, you still had Bobby McCain, like you said, and uh, you welcomed Byron Jones into the mix as well last year. And they got off to a 1-3 and start, like you, you, know, you mentioned many times, to see if they could, you know, go ahead and, and, and overcome it like they did last season. But, you know, when you're introducing guys to a defensive scheme, which is based primarily on assignment football, it's going to take some time for guys on the defense to really learn and hone their assignments, right? So it took a while for the Dolphins to adjust last season and really the first, you know, two of the games that they lost against the Bills and the Seahawks last year were because, you know, Noah Igbenogany is starting and he's getting picked on um, yeah. and Duchesne Byron Jones was the playing. The defense sort of settled on as the year went on. They went on to, you know, go ahead with the turnover streak like you mentioned before. Kavon always playing really well, and to the point where other people were playing well because of him, like Andrew Van Ginkle, like Shaq Lawson, like Emmanuel Ogba, who got home and had nine and a half sacks last year. Um, you know, so this year when you add new pieces into the mix, um, you know you got a Landon Roberts back, yeah, but you know the backup linebackers between him and Baker, um, the other DBs in the mix like Javon Holland and Brandon Jones who didn't play a lot last year, um, a guy like Jalen Phillips who they tried to get to learn to drop back into coverage instead of just focusing on rushing the passer, um, you know, for the first eight weeks or so for, through training camp, through the preseason and the first couple of weeks of the season, having um, Phillips focusing on dropping back instead of just rushing the passer. Um, when you add so many new pieces into the mix, it's going to take some time for these guys to get developed, to learn the defense, to learn the ends in, and the outs, and to go through the kinks that you kind of go through early on in the season. So, I think defensively, I think these guys, as soon as they learn, you know, the tidbits and the true circles of the defense, they're going to get it together. But then, like I mentioned, too, you, you said just now, complementary football. And when those guys know they have nothing on offense, there's nothing to play for defensively. And you're hoping that with Tua coming back and everybody else coming back into the mix, Wolf will later on this season. Hopefully you get something of a run game with this new offensive line. Um, you know, you're hoping that you, the Dolphins can put it all together and play that complementary football that Flores loves to preach about. Yeah, they're going to need to. Um, you know, it didn't, you know, I, I I, and
0: a lot of other people kind of made the comparison. You know, they started 1-3 one, one in three last year. They started 1-3 this year. Obviously, they faced a little tougher challenge facing the Bucks this year as opposed to facing the 49ers last year. But, um, you know, I think that there's a really good opportunity for them to kind of start to get things in the right direction by facing a, a, a winless Jags team that has kind of had their own kind of controversy I guess you should say with Urban Meyer and and some of the some of the off the field stuff I'll just just leave it at that some of the off the field stuff that's been going on with him so we'll we'll see then we're going to take a short break but when we come back we're going to kind of break down the rest of the schedule and see you know whether this season can actually be redeemed what would success the rest of the season look like um so stay with us we're still going to have Safadine on the other side You ready?
1: Showtime mm-hmm. on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: Let's get the poster
1: said See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists to make you happy.
0: Trying to make it out? Nope. Yep. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Dolphins in Depth Podcast. Par- Do- no, excuse me, the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I got tons out there a little bit of alliteration mm-hmm. with the Dolphins mm-hmm. in the deck. Uh, Daniel Fuse, he's still joined by Safa Dean, NFL insider at USA Today uh, Sports Plus. I uh, wanted to say thank you again to Safa for joining us. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about Tua's return what that can mean for the offense. Really, the team as a whole that's been struggling starting 1-4, um, heading to, to London to play the Jags. And, you know, I kind of want to look at the second, or well, I won't say second half of the schedule, but kind of this you know three quarter stretch remaining and and I want to ask you I mean when you look at the schedule obviously starting with the Jags is there a is there a path forward to maybe make the playoffs maybe finish over 500 and what would
1: success look like with Tua coming back the rest of the season? Ooh playoffs I don't know about that one Daniel And, and that's really disappointing for Dolphins fans because of the fact that They won 10 games last year. They were one game away from reaching the playoffs before. You know, they got destroyed by the Bills um, to end last season. But, I mean, look, let's look at the schedule. Like you said, Jaguars in London this week. You're going up against a Jaguars team that, uh, you know, quite frankly, is trying his best to play hard. You know, I saw them play against the Cardinals in week three. They had the Cardinals up. They were up on the Cardinals 19-10 before they lost that game. Then on Thursday night football, you know Trevor Lawrence and and Joe Burrow going toe to toe, you know before they finally lost that game in the in the final minutes there. So they were leading. Um, they were leading by a touchdown or two, I think, in that Bengals game. They, they had yeah, lead. Yeah, yeah. You know the Jaguars were playing good football before Urban Meyer started dancing or had somebody <laughs> dancing on him at a oh, bar man. in Ohio after that Thursday night game, and now you don't have the buy-in from the Jaguars players anymore because of the fact that they can't, you know, follow the coach that. You know, supposed to be preaching all these things to them. So, look if the Dolphins lose to the Jaguars, this is is going to be another wait, wait. one of wait. the worst losses in Brian Flores' career. I do, I do want to, I want to stop right there. Okay, go ahead.
0: Because you know, you know the context and the history of the rebuild, the fan base, the organization better than me. What happens
1: if they lose to the Jaguars on Sunday? All right, so you're looking at a team that has Urban Meyer, a coach in turmoil right now, a first-year coach. I mean, granted, he's a college coach, one of the greatest college coaches coaches of our time. And full disclosure, I went to the University of Florida when he won two national titles there, go Gators. But, like, look, if if Urban Meyer and the mess that he's created in Jacksonville, right, and and the Jaguars beat the Dolphins uh, on year three of Brian Flores' rebuild in – Whatever Tua shows in his first game back from a rib injury, um, it's going to be the worst loss in in Brian Flores' tenure with the Dolphins, if if that happens. Um, Steve Ross is going to have to make some decisions, and Chris Greer is going to have to be consulted on a bunch of things here, too. Um, His job is also on the line just as much as Brian Flores is, too. Um, but let's not talk about something that happened, you know, that's going on, gonna yeah, happen, I don't, I don't may wanna, not happen, I'm not a or, negative or hasn't happened yet. Yeah, you know, like put negativity negativity in there. I was just curious. I yeah. think everybody knows it's gonna be bad, man. I mean, that's pretty much plain and simple. The Dolphins and the Jaguars are gonna play at 9:30 in the morning. Okay, they're gonna have <laughs> the NFL world watching them before the 1 p.m. game starts. Okay, so however two plays, however the coaching matchup pans out in this game. Um, they're going to be the talk of the town for for you know a couple hours until all the other games on Sunday happen. So they can't afford to lose this. They cannot afford to lose this, plain and simple. Nah, they
0: can't. They can't. But even looking afterward, I mean, they do come home. They play the Falcons. I mean, that's a. I don't want to say it's a winnable game, but you would think it's that's a very, very winnable game. Okay, it's a very winnable <laughs> game. Okay, no, cause very winnable my, game. Because my thing is, somebody pointed this out on Twitter that. The rest of the season, the Dolphins can't really look at their schedule and say, oh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to get right on that game because everyone's looking at their schedule and looking at the Dolphins and saying, oh, we're going to get right on that game. So I'm just, you yeah. know, there's not – I don't know if they're going to be blowing out any teams the rest of the year. So I just got to – I haven't seen the Falcons, so I just got to say, I mean, that's, that might be a be a coin flip or toss-up right there.
1: But, yeah. Uh, you know, the positive for the, for the Dolphins is you play the Jaguars, you play the Falcons, you play the Texans. You play the Jets twice. Um, you're they play, play the
0: Panthers, the, who, I mean, they, they've looked better, but Christian McCaffrey has been out. I mean, Sam Darnold hasn't the, been as good.
1: The Panthers are a better team right now than the Dolphins. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> you're going to play the Giants. You know, look, and, and another positive for the Dolphins, too, you're going to London this week. You got the game against the Bills on the road on Halloween weekend. You're not going on the road after after the Jacksonville trip. You're not only go, you're going on the road twice. You're only going to Buffalo and you're only going to New York to play the Jets. Yes, you're crazy. home all the way through till like Christmas, outside of two road games. Then you have the the, the Monday night game against New Orleans. Yeah. Um. You know, so you have one. Let's count these up here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six home games. To get right, okay? One of them is going to go against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Um, I'm expecting Lamar Jackson to beat the Dolphins down again like he did (laughs) a couple years ago, Um, you know, just to be frank here with everybody. But you got six home games, right? You're not leaving the state of Florida, um, you know, more than twice before Christmas. So you got home field advantage on, on your side. That's a huge, huge positive um and you're you're got an, a really soft schedule I think that, I think overall then if, um the Dolphins have probably the fourth easiest schedule for the rest of the season okay mm-hmm. so I think there's an opportunity to turn it around you have to win those home games you have to show up against at least you know something you have to show something against the Bills when you play them on Halloween you got to show something against the Ravens on Thursday night football but um you know it, it all starts with this Jaguars game and, it, and the Dolphins can show some improvement show a sign of something can turn for the better. You can build on that in the Falcons game. Maybe you show a better showing against the Bills. But, you know, this is going to be a long season. I don't see playoffs in the mix for Miami. Um, I'm not even sure if 500 could be in the mix too, although they should, they have to, if if Brian Flores and Chris Greer want to continue working in Miami, they have to do at least get above 500. But, um, you know, because of the start, it doesn't look so great. Okay. We're gonna
0: we're gonna go down the schedule right now and I wanna I wanna do a hypothetical for you. Cool. Alright. I'm gonna say that they beat the Jaguars. I'm gonna say that they beat the Falcons, Texans, the Giants, they split with the Jets. And just That'd for the nuts. and just for the heck of it, I'm gonna say that they beat the Patriots or so they sweep them. That'd be one, okay. two, three, four, five. I gotta count.
1: That'd be six wins with Tua. So that'd be six wins with Tua. And you're talking about seven wins overall in the season.
0: Yes, but with Tua as the starter,
1: they'd be seven and – I mean, I can't do the math. Uh-huh. Seven and seven? They'd be seven and seven with Tua as a starter. No, no, no. They'd be – we should definitely edit this out, right? <laughs> 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 All right, no, but- so you want to know with the Patriots. You want to go 2-0 and against the Jaguars. Three and zero against the Falcons, three and one against the Bills. Excuse me, three and two against the Bills. Yeah. So I got my mat caught, caught up there. Four and two against the Texans. Um, four and three against the Ravens. Um, splitting with the Jets, so that's five and four. You giving them the Panthers game? Mm,
0: sure? I tell I'm gonna give I I I gotta be, I gotta be, right. be, po- I gotta be positive.
1: I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give them my win. Six and four. You got the Giants seven and four. Uh, the Saints, Saints. I'm gonna say that's a loss. I'm gonna say that's a loss. Both. Okay. Both of those. Seven and five. Seven and six. And then the Patriots game. If they split, that's eight and six. No, but I'm, I'm giving I'm, I'm giving them. I'm, I'm saying that they beat the Patriots at home. So that's, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I got that. At, I, uh, I got that at eight and six without the uh, the other games without the okay. three without the last three games that Tua hasn't played.
0: So, so we're looking, looking at,
1: at as a starter, and then are two
0: two games above five hundred as a starter. I mean, if you extrapolate that out, that's maybe like a what's that eleven and six record, seventeen game schedule. I mean, do you that's that, that's pretty that's pretty much what I'm getting at. If Tua comes Sunday and plays the rest of the season, and yeah. he is essentially an above five hundred quarterback, because um, I believe he was like seven and. Three or whatever it was last year. Uh-huh. I mean, do you do you leave that season saying, "Hey, we didn't make the playoffs, but our quarterback was hurt for three games, and when he came in, we were a viable team." I mean, how, what is the what is the mood of Stephen Ross and the rest of the organization? Mm-hmm. Do you do you look at wholesale changes, changing the GM, changing the coach, or whatever? You know, like what is the tenor after that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely hard to forecast. We're talking about 15 weeks in the future oh. and. And I would say that you know, you know, it's crazy when you watch Thursday night football, when you watch Monday night football, Sunday night football—the one game on the week that everybody's watching. You know, I always see guys like make plays, and I'm always wondering, like, why? Why didn't the Dolphins get those guys, right? Like, why didn't they get Jonathan Taylor, you know, running back? Why didn't they get, um, you know, a, 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 like Rashawn Slater from the Chargers? Well, can I, like, can, can I, like, can I
0: quickly you know, interject on that? So I, do, I do see that a lot from fans, from media members, from a lot of people. Where it's like, yeah. it's like every single time a player that the Dolphins didn't select plays well, it's like, well, the Dolphins could have selected that guy. Like even with Lamar Jackson last night, like, have, yeah, Lamar Jackson didn't get picked by the 31 teams before the Ravens traded back into the first round to pick him. Like we can't do this every single time. It's, a it's good player a, does good things. Like
1: it's, like it's not just a Dolphins thing either. It's every other team. It's every <laughs> it's other, other like, team, like, man.
0: Like front offices miss. And I know that the Dolphins have missed a little bit more than you'd like, especially with the amount of draft capital that they have. Mm-hmm. But it's like you can't do it. I mean, you can do it maybe with Herbert, but a lot of people missed on Herbert. You can yeah. question trading away a first-round pick to move up to take Jalen Waddle. You can do stuff like that, but you can't be like every single time a guy – Plays well as a well. The Dolphins could add in, like yeah. It doesn't work like that. You can't, <laughs> you can pick ten pros you,
1: you know, it's a it's it's a tough proposition to to to, to you know kind of have as a fan. Um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Um, but also you can look at the decisions the Dolphins made and wonder, you know, just what happened, right? Like, why why are you trading for Josh Rosen if Arizona's dumping him off to the side, right? And why are you Competing with yourself to draft him, um, I mean, to, to trade for him, trading two picks to get him when you're the only one on the table. Now you don't have him or two other picks on your team, right? Um, Noah Igben Agony, or as some fans like to call him, Noah Igben Active. Uh, poor guy, great kid. You saw that, right? Great You know, he's a nice kid, really nice kid. Um, you know, and I understand why the Dolphins drafted him because they didn't know how healthy Xavier Howard would be they didn't know he would play all 16 and lead the league in interceptions like he did last season um you side Byron Jones to that huge deal more than Xavier Howard you create a contract situation with Xavier because of it and the money you spend on him you could have spent on a corner running back tight end receiver um other positions on your roster O lineman maybe um because you have so much money tied into him right um you 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 don't draft a running back in 2020 or 2021 or a receiver for that matter in a draft where in 2020 you had the most picks there was the most talent at receiver and running back you don't draft either of those positions right um you know there's just a laundry list of things for the dolphins here that they have made decisions on that they were overconfident about in decisions that they did make and now you're seeing it all come to fruition with this one and four start. And let's not even get into the fact that Brian Flores hasn't even had a coaching staff, uh, offensive coaching staff established in three seasons here. Okay. The dolphins went completely the other way in an offensive, you know, minded league where let's get the defensive coach. Let's get a guy who could be a leader of men. Brian Flores has done that. He's done a great job as a head coach overall, but his biggest misstep in his downfall so far has been the fact that he has not gotten an offensive coaching staff with some continuity, um, have, have his players that who they have drafted and use an um, amazing amount of draft capital to attain, right? You haven't had have the coaches in place to create some continuity with those players as well, too. So that's a fundamental issue that the Dolphins have offensively. And it's the reason why they're starting so slow. It's the reason why they're a step behind in this rebuilding process. And, you know, at, at the end of the year, like you said, to go back to what we were talking about, Tua going potentially 8-6 and six the rest of the way, um, so that would be 14 and I mean 15 and 11 overall as Dolphins starter if it's enough to keep tour around and, and tear tear everything all over again. I mean, where are you going to find any continuity if you're the Dolphins, right? It's got to come this season. You have to show some market improvement in what you're doing. You have to come away with some wins, whether it's against the, the Panthers, against the Ravens, against the Patriots, against the Saints. Um, you got to show some kind of improvement along the way. It has to be obvious to keep you in charge, to let Brian Flores and Chris Kerr go ahead with year four of this process and what that could be like for the team too. So um, the Dolphins have a lot to prove on the field. Brian Flores and his coaching staff have a lot of work they have to do, and these players have a lot of work to do, um, you know, in order to make that all happen, Daniel.
0: Yeah, I'm still in a a wait-and-see approach with – the rebuild and the regime as a whole, especially because, like I said, two has been out for three games, and I and I do agree with um, one of those last points that you made that it's for me. And maybe this might be because I'm not, you know, I, I haven't been fully involved and you know really soaked up in the in the fan base and the and the, the you know Miami South Florida fan base and whatnot. I of course, yeah, I. I looked at this season and I was like, it wasn't like a playoffs or bust season. You know, obviously most people would expect playoffs because they were one game shy of or one win shy of mm-hmm. making the playoffs last year. I didn't view it as that. I had them going like 10 and 7 and missing out on the playoffs, but I viewed that as a success. I thought that if Tua, obviously he's not playing all 17 games now, but if Tua did play all 17 games and like you said, you saw the improvement on the field with Tua, Even if you didn't make the playoffs, even if you finished with, like, the same – right around the same number of wins, you could feel confident in continuing to build around him and kind of keep what you had, you know, keep that together and keep building with that. And, and, you know, I don't know what your preseason predictions were, but that's just how I feel, you know. Yeah, of course you want tangible results. You want to be in the playoffs. You want to say, okay, we took that, like, legitimate step forward. But, like I said, when you're in a rebuild – you look for you look for you know the, the tangible results on the field in terms of how your quarterback is playing and whether the pieces that you've brought together are actually meshing well together. That's what that's what I keep on saying. I feel like the rest of the season is about you know while Jahlil Brissett was having struggles and the team was losing four straight games, people are saying like people should lose their jobs. So I'm like. But how could we haven't even seen this mm-hmm. team? So that, that, that's why I keep <laughs> yeah. on saying the rest of the season is a trial run to see whether Tua is the guy and whether he is actually making considerable improvements.
1: Yeah. And I feel bad for Tua, man, because like Justin Herbert is balling out of his mind, right? Yeah. So he's got more 300-yard games for anybody two years into um, their careers. And we're just in week five, right? He yeah. was already the reigning offensive player of the year last year as a rookie. And you know, Tua had to wait until he got that got to the year mark after the broken hip to start playing, right? And now he got hurt week two of the season on what the first quarter, second drive of the game, maybe first yeah, second, game, second, second drive of the Buffalo Bills game. You know, so like, and then the way Tua got hurt was, I mean, look, he didn't see the lineman. Jesse Davis didn't see the lineman coming, but not even that. The first two sacks of the game, he didn't see the lineman coming from the DB side either um you know so that's a a a big misstep on his part Tua speaking specifically but you know Tua's 11 games in here and I think for anybody to think that 11 games is enough to see on a quarterback to you know pass on him swipe left or swipe right you know it's not enough Tua needs more time to cook and Tua needs more time and more protection from this offensive line he needs his playmakers to stay healthy and be available to him and I think the offense is going to take a considerable step with him at quarterback. I think you're going to see Miles Gaskin in the mix more because of the RPO. You're going to see Jalen Waddle use like the Lamborghini he is instead of like, you know, the Pinto that they're kind of driving him with here in the last couple of weeks, you know, with the short passes, with the, you know, Waddle's supposed to stretch the field for you. And I know I don't <laughs> think Godsey and Studesville and whoever else is playing calling plays for the Dolphins. They don't know how to use them. They're, they're driving a Nissan when you got a Lambo in the garage, right? Man, if, if I see it, so, if I see if I see one more one more screen behind the line of you I'm know, lose my, it, man. they did the same thing with Lynn Bowden Junior. last year too, and Lynn Bowden's supposed to be another shifty guy that you get to kind of throw into the wrinkle of your offense. Every NFL offense has one of these guys. It's like a Tyreek Hill, and they're supposed to make big plays, splash plays. But if you don't have this guy running past ten yards, what are you doing with them, right? Yeah. Jalen Waddle needs to be. I felt like the Dolphins offense with Jacoby specifically or just anybody, honestly, especially with Tua, they need to feed Jalen Waddle the football, right? Feed Jalen Waddle the football. Use the RPO to get Miles Gaskin in the mix. Play make some passes out of the backfield to Gaskin, to Ahmed. Get Parker and Gesicki in the mix when you need another big play. Have Wooler as Fuller as well um, when he does come back. But I think this goes to Waddle. You you ride Waddle to the till the brakes fall off. Um, because he's your most talented player on offense. And um, I think Tua is going to be aware of that. I think he's going to be cognizant of that. He's going to get rid of the football a lot faster because of the fact that he's not going to want nobody to hit him be- with the ribs. Like, I think the Dolphins are going to go shotgun the rest of the season, probably nothing under center. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're hoping to see that, you know, Devontae and Gusecki can take it up a notch, you know, when Tua does get back.
0: Yeah, I mean, they do have
1: the the talent. They do have the talent. I mean, I was only there for the last two weeks, two weeks to training camp, but
0: you did see you did see the potential, and I, even in the Bucks game, like it's hard to say this team is improving when you lose four straight games. But even in the Bucks game, like we saw Miles Gaskin be incorporated into this offense, and we saw like for the first time this season him really being utilized as a pass catcher and whatnot. So you know, when Tua comes back, you know the hope is that this offense really starts humming. You know, before before we leave, I do want to do two quick hitters. I, I got, I got, we always got to talk about this. You know, the, the news has kind of died down regarding Deshaun Watson. But I do want to ask, mm-hmm. the trade deadline is November 2nd. The Dolphins will have three games if he comes back, if Tua comes back Sunday. They'll have three games Just to see Tua. Is there any chance that they make a move for Watson before the trade deadline?
1: Do you think? Well, you have to answer two questions to that. and Or maybe one, actually. But... Is Watson going to play this season? How many games are you going to have with Deshaun Watson?
0: Well, technically,
1: uh, well, technically he's eligible to play
0: right now. Yeah. No, the Texans are just paying him not to play. You know, the, they mm-hmm. haven't put him on the exempt commissioner's exempt list
1: yet, so he technically can't play. Yeah. So Dolphins fans know how mad you know Brian Flores gets at me when um, I ask a question or anything like that, and during his press conferences over the years. But how upset do you think he's going to be having to answer questions about Deshaun Watson each and every week? Why is he playing? Why is this guy who has 22 sexual assault um, allegations and lawsuits pending? Um, civil lawsuits, by the way. Why is he playing? Um, you think the Dolphins want to answer that? You think Chris Greer wants to come out of the woodworks to try to answer that and, and say why they traded for him? You think Steven Ross wants to come out? And he's not going to say anything but have to, you know, answer to the NFL and answer to followers and Dolphins fans of why they acquired Deshaun Watson. Um Outside of anything from a football standpoint, um, you know I, I I don't think the Dolphins make a trade at the trade deadline. I think if a trade is made, it's going to be in the off season um, or definitely when something is resolved here. But I want some uh, you know I want to specify this for Dolphins fans specifically, Daniel, and the fact that is we do know the Dolphins have interest in Deshaun Watson, but the real reason why the Dolphins continue to keep um, being mentioned in a trade for Deshaun Watson is because he has a no-trade clause. He He wants to be in Miami. Yeah, he can be in Miami, right? He he wants to be in Miami. He wants to pick his destination. So the Dolphins are always going to be, you know, lumped into the mix whether or not they truly have interest in him, whether or not the Steve Ross report that he does have interest in Watson is true, okay? So uh, the no-trade clause is the biggest reason why the Dolphins are always mentioned in the mix there. It's not the love for Tua or, you know, the fading love for Tua It's the fact that he has his no-trade clause that, that's always going to bring them into the conversation. Um, so to answer your question and for the short hitter that came along, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't think so, no. Um, you know, Watson is too volatile, too toxic right now for any team to kind of take on that PR nightmare.
0: Yeah, i definitely agree with you. And it's like, it's kind of one of those things where, like, the November 2nd, trade deadline's going to pass. And it's like, if they don't trade for him or anything, it's like, oh, okay, we're putting this to bed. Until the season ends, and then it just ramps back up, and you know it's going to be on. It's going to be on ten when yeah. the season
1: ends. And not even that too. Tua is a lame duck quarterback now. You know is, yeah. is Tua playing for his job? Is he playing for his next job? Um, you know what is Tua playing for? Is, is is he going to be two and done here in Miami? Um, these are all things that Brian Flores has to answer. Chris Greer has to answer. Um, and even November second doesn't do them any favors either. You know you got the whole end of the season to see how Tua performs and see if you make a move like that. So. You know, two is really in a bad position here. You don't have the pieces you need offensively around you to succeed, and then you don't even know if your franchise has faith in you and if they're going to trade for another quarterback.
0: No, exactly. And you know, I'm you know, if you heard the podcast, people that are you know, recurring listeners, they know that I'm not really a trade for Deshaun Watson right now, guy. I think that um, as what we said earlier in the in the pod, you know. One person, when quarterback is great as Deshaun Watson, isn't going to solve some of these issues or every issue on this team. Um, so, you know, I have no problem with kind of playing it out uh, with two and seeing what happens.
1: I think he overcomes a lot of the other issues, though. That's the problem, right? Star players can compensate for um, bad coaching, poor coaching, bad play calling, um, other bad players on the field. A star player can definitely maximize the potential of a team because of his star power, but um, it's worth – it's why you trade for Deshaun Watson from a football standpoint, but everything else is not why.
0: No, I get that. I I think maybe, like, subconsciously part of it is me just kind of, like, knowing that the team went to lengths to kind of, like, strip this roster down. Um, There was the whole Tank for Tua movement, and they finally drafted him. I almost want to, like, would rather see them – get back to being a winner, like, I don't want to say, like, the right way, but mm-hmm. kind of do it the old-fashioned way, you know, like, draft the quarterback, yeah. get the pieces, draft it, the guys, like, kind of, like, build it with the homegrown guys. Maybe maybe subconsciously, that, that's what it is for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a Dolphins fan, you're probably out there wondering, why can't we identify a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, like Lamar Jackson, yeah. like Justin Herbert, like Drew Brees, um, you know, ahead of time, and have them as our own and have it the old-fashioned way, like you said, Daniel.
0: I mean, we're going to find out if, again, if Tua is in that caliber of Lamar and Justin. Um, and, you know, that can be starting Sunday. And that's where I want to end it with getting your predictions. Are you taking the Dolphins or are you taking the Jags? You know?
1: Ooh, putting me on the spot here. I have to, I put everybody
0: on the spot. I, mean, I, give I the appreciate predictions. that. <laughs> I
1: appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, man, I would say after seeing the Jaguars in week three and week four, how close they were to beating the Cardinals and the Jaguars, um, and how bad the Dolphins were playing before the Bucks game. Um, I definitely had the Jaguars as the favorite here, but um, I'm going with I, I had the Jaguars as the favorite, but I have the Dolphins winning. Um, I'll put a score on it. I'll put a score on it. I'm gonna say uh, 27-24. They win by three. Jason Sanders kicks the game-winning field goal. <laughs> okay, going um, like that. But they're going to they're gonna have to play against Trevor Lawrence. That's a bad boy on the other side of the field, all right? He can play. He can play. He's, he's a good player on the other side of the field. And the defense, the Jaguars have, they got some really good players, too. It's just they, like the Dolphins really have to get off to a quick start. And Tua's got to have some plays. They got to have some good scripted plays the first two drives. Um, Dolphins got to get up two touchdowns early, I think, if they win this game. Um I don't like it in a close game for them, but I think the Dolphins have more of a united team um, than the Jaguars have. They seem kind of like a fractured unit, and that's kind of be the 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 ultimate reason why I think the Dolphins beat beat the Jaguars on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take the Dolphins too. Um,
1: I don't know about a
0: score. I mean, if I had to say a score, I'd probably even go lower than you. I'm um, just given how the Dolphins offense has struggled and I do think that there's a lot I mean really, I mean I do think that there's a lot of pride on that on that Dolphins defense which won't allow the Jaguars to maybe
1: score as many points as we as we think, you know. I think I think Trevor could produce the points and it's funny. You should just call me out, bro, just say, yo, I don't think they're gonna score that much. Maybe I'm too <laughs> overzealous in my points that I gave the Dolphins. Maybe Jason Sanders is gonna have like five field goals in that game. Who knows? But um, yeah, I yeah, definitely. I mean, agree with I you. mean, we, we, I mean, we, there have been
0: some ugly games in London for for the Dolphins. Dude. They haven't been too great, or you know, across the pond. So, so you know, I mean, if, if, we, if we get another fifteen to <laughs> twelve game, I mean, it, it would just be kind of par for the course at
1: this point. Yeah, man. And let's just hope everybody on the Dolphins organization makes the trip back home, man. Yeah. Yeah, a- aka nobody gets fired. Oh,
0: exactly. Thank you for filling in the blank. Because if, <laughs> if, if, if you know if, if uh, people in Miami and South Florida wake up at nine in the morning to watch this game and they see a clunker and a, and a loss, yeah, not, Monday's not going to be good. Um, but but you know we're we're keeping the positivity. We're both picking them to win, so that's not even that's not even. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: looking out for you too, Daniel. I don't. I want you to write a game story and then be able to enjoy the rest of your time in London. You know what I'm saying. Oh, It'll be your first man. time yeah, you <laughs> for the trip? You for no, I'm trip? excited. I'm really
0: excited. You know, I, I went to I went to the United Kingdom with my family when I was like five years old, so I like barely remember that trip. But I'm definitely excited to to head out there.
1: Man, the Dolphins are supposed to go to London last year. Thanks, COVID.
0: And yeah. I'm not gonna
1: you know I'm not gonna get to travel to this game too. So I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you know all my other colleagues and the Dolphins be getting to go to London for this trip. Um, but yeah, man, Sunday morning, we'll see how this goes down. No, most
0: definitely. And, you know, I'll be back here next Tuesday to to discuss the game, win or lose. Hopefully it's a win for the Dolphins and the Dolphins' sake. But we're gonna see, you know. <laughs> gonna see for sure. Well that brings us to the end of another week of the Dolphins in Debt podcast I want to thank Soffit again so much for joining me I had a lot of fun and uh again I think it's going to be a real interesting game and uh <laughs> we're all going to be tuned in we're all going to buckle up for that one man